A note about this episode of A Foot you're about to listen to. When we recorded it on December 28th, 2017, we were under the impression that mystery author Sue Grafton was still alive, which was in fact true until the point we were recording the episode. She passed away that evening as we recorded the episode. And, uh, we were, of course, unaware until the next day. So our condolences to Sue Grafton's family and fans. And uh, if you listen to this episode, you'll know we talk about her work in a loving fashion, uh, but also critical. And uh, this was done before her passing uh, with the expectation that she would be writing the final installment of her series with the uh, Z novel uh, being published in 2019. So we've edited the episode a little bit to make that clearer, uh, but just wanted to put this prefatory note about the kind of macabre thing that happened as we recorded this episode. Thanks, and here's a foot. Hello and welcome back to A Foot, a show about mysteries. Yes, yes, it's about mysteries. And uh, you may not have heard from us for a while. We've been uh, uh, a little asleep over here. Uh, I was letterpress printing a book. Uh, there were no mysteries. Uh, nothing mysterious happened at all for most of 2017. Clearly, <laughs> everything was very, you know, up and above board. Um, and, uh, and we're going to do a few more episodes in this, uh, a foot series, and then we'll take a, a kind of a break. We're going to put the show on hiatus, which means that we're not going to be, given that I haven't been able to produce, uh, episodes routinely, we're going to take it off the, uh, off the membership roster, but the show will still live and we will still produce episodes from time to time, but we're not going to even pretend to make the effort to produce them as regularly because that doesn't seem to be happening, but more episodes, uh, including this one that you're listening to will be will be coming. Uh, but I do encourage you to support uh, the Incomparable Membership uh, Program for the network and your dollars in the past. Those of you who are members and supported us uh, did help edit um, the previous uh, numerous episodes of the show, and I thank you for that. And uh, and now on to the topic of tonight's broadcast. Uh, I'm Glenn Fleischman, in case you didn't realize that from my meandering introduction that was uh, <laughs> off topic of this episode. And tonight we're doing... Uh, Kind of a thing that's I want to say near to dear near and dear. What's the opposite of that? It's it's mysteries we dropped. It's things that we kind of went along away with a with a writer typically, and then said, ah, okay, that's enough. And uh, joining me tonight are four other people. There's this apparently a popular topic to talk about things that we got sick of. It's always great. <laughs> misery always loves company, but I'm not talking about Stephen King's misery. Uh, so joining me tonight are Katie Lane. Hello, Katie. Hello, hello. Shannon Sutterth. Good evening. Howdy. David Lore. hello. Hello there. And James Callan, howdy. Howdy do. Uh, thank you all for being here. And um, we don't have a, uh, we're not doing this in draft format. I'm sorry, listeners. I know everyone expects a draft. Uh, but <laughs> well, we gonna, tend to draft things we like. It's true. That's right. I don't want to, de- it's like de-draft. It's like we're, we're not putting these in a vault and locking them away forever. And, and uh, you know, there's not a lot, there's not bad spirit involved here, too. We don't want to uh, slag on things to the point of slagging. These are all things, uh, I think Shannon was saying this before we podcast. I should let you say it. So wh- what's your feeling about these mysteries we put down? Like, why, why should we discuss things we don't like? Well, when the topic came up, it occurred to me I had several 
authors that uh, I got into very passionately, that I was reading all of their backlog if they had been producing for a while, that I was eagerly awaiting the next book. And then just as things happened, as things went on, something changed. And there's like sort of different reasons for the different things that I've got to talk about. But you know, just that something changed and, you know, it got to the point where, you know, no longer as interested and therefore moving on to other things. It's just, I think, a natural thing for, you know, whatever media we consume, television, books, uh, movies, whatever. We get into rhythms of things. Sometimes we let habit keep us going for a little while. Sometimes we, you know, make the break and say, you know what, I could devote my time to this other thing that I'm really into now that I wasn't before. Yeah, and you know, I think so. mystery is a, a genre that's actually a lot more like, uh, say, romance than it is like um, science fiction, say, in that there's just, there's so many mystery series, and so many of them have so many entries that are produced so frequently that I think it's really easy to kind of get started with somebody because they have, oh, like, this person has 50 novels. This is so much to read. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> no, I don't want to read any more of these. <laughs> and And to the point where... You know, you go in uh, Barnes and Noble, and you you have you know your literary fiction, your science fiction, your romance, and then there's mysteries, thrillers, cozy mysteries. Yeah. Cozy <laughs> mysteries are their own separate section now. Well, That's they're very crazy. cozy. They they like to be cozy in the corner together. That is that is true. That is true. It is a very comfortable couple of shelves. Gentlemen, I've seen this murder before. It's he's been murdered with soft pillows, slowly and comfortably. <laughs> With a nice fire and muffins. Was it? Was it the tea cozy <laughs> in the library? It's uh, yeah. It's an interesting. I, this is why it was. It's been fun to talk about mysteries. Is I think they're they're kind of a just a weird place in in genre literature themselves because they. Uh, I was looking up mystery TV shows out of curiosity. And it lists, you know, it's like Doctor Who and Murder She Wrote and you know Quincy and um, you know the Ellery Queen series. You're like, well, these are all not exactly the same thing. I guess they're. <laughs> Not, I don't know. There's some, there's always a, I mean, you're looking for an answer. Uh, but I think that's how we get, we get sucked in. And there's just so much of it. There's such a big universe. I should also say, I think there's this category of uh, novels or series that we get into, uh, when we're younger. And, uh, mm-hmm. you can go off yes. too. Like we talked about this in previous episodes, like some of the classics. I read Agatha Christie and, um, I wound up being unable to stand her, but I'd read her for years and I read, read. And then <laughs> now I'm like, Oh, I just hate her MacGuffins, you know? <laughs> hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Not cool. Not cool. <laughs> Not cool, Glenn. Uh, anybody want to lead off with the, uh, who's the first, the first, uh, uh, Hat to throw in the ring here for. Uh, I, I got one. I got one. David, David. Sue Grafton. <laughs> Never heard of her. I, I, I mean, I picked up, I picked her up when I think E is for Evidence came out, and that was still pretty new. It was still, you know, just mystery people knew, you know, detective people knew, but she wasn't hitting the New York Times bestseller list yet. And so I had seen the books, you know, maybe somewhere in C. I started noticing them because the original paperbacks, they, they were first paperback originals even. Um, they had very distinctive covers, and, and I'm mm-hmm. drawn by a good design for a cover. And after E, they've n- the covers have not been interesting. And But those <laughs> those first five were just like, ooh, I want to I check this out. So I finally picked up E, and I worked my way back through those five. And then for whatever reason, F, I think, hit the bestseller list. And from that point on, 
she she sort of rose up from the ghetto of genre mystery and now she was a best-selling new york times author and they were still good i mean they're still good now even um and unlike a lot of other things that i've sort of fallen away from uh they're still very dense i mean there's small print tightly packed on many pages uh, which doesn't always happen with a New York Times best-selling mystery writer. and uh, But there was just, I don't know, uh, maybe it was the conceit that this was all still in the 80s, that, you know, all of these things took place within a very tight uh, span of time. Uh, there was just something about it that somewhere around L I started to flag. <laughs> and I've, I've I mean, I... You I are a st- stronger man than I, sir. I could <laughs> <That's good>. that, <laughs> well, uh, that hurt a little bit. L, ow. Here's the thing. Yeah, L, L was not her best. But, I mean, I still have. I've gotten all of them up until X. I haven't even gotten 100 pages into Q yet. And oh, it's oh, sort of like that's okay, David. Oh. That's <laughs> Q, Q is for quarries. Uh, I think it's, I think you don't want to know. No, oh, you don't. Oh, dear. <laughs> And and so yeah, it's the quarry. It's just one the, of answer, where, the quarry did it, David. Uh, <laughs> it was the quarry in the quarry Spoilers. with the quarry, and uh, yeah, it, there was just something about it. I mean, I, I do like her writing style, but at the same time, it was sort of like, well, you're shoving it all into this small span of time, and and the interpersonal stuff is getting very repetitive and very, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like, oh, you can't. Where are you going with this? And, you know, but but it was sort of that you, you were just in that reflex that, oh, this is this is May or whatever, whatever month it was. This <laughs> is the time of year the new one comes out in paperback. Uh, there are a number of series that I still do that with. Um, but, you know, so I'd still pick them up. But, yeah, it's it's just I I don't have the brain space to really finish them, which is a shame because. They are they they don't have the problem that most of the ones that I've fallen away from do, which is weird. Oh yeah, can I say that's I think the thing is I um they feel uh, as I felt they got worse or more poorly written or I got tired of them. It still has everything about the novels feels the same except they're not good to me. Sorry, more specific. Just add more goodness. (laughs) Well, it's weird. It's like someone drained. It's like it it becomes, it feels a little more cookie cutter. The plots get a little more ridiculous. But it's also, it just feels like um, you're, you're just, and she raises the stakes sometimes too. But it's not like she started writing in an entirely different style. The character has exactly the same character traits she changes the character changes somewhat but not much i've i've read through the series so i read a through e and then uh q and uh s i think and a few others and then i was just like oh it does not get better um and uh i feel like the form feels so much similar it's weird it's like it's not doesn't read as we've talked about on other episodes when somebody else picks up a famous uh, mystery author who's passed away tries to write in that format and you're like this is uh, this just makes me feel oogie inside because it's tr- it's trying too hard or it just doesn't have the right sense. Um, her later, her novels, I don't like as much as they go on. Uh, it's just oh. something is wrong, but it's very hard to put. Figure that's out a that's a very good point. After L, it feels like someone else has picked it up and is trying to do it in her style. 
Mm. Oh, is that? That's what mm. it is. But there's also is, she just the thing that got to me, and I'll, I'll say this about other series. If we get to more of my, you know, some of my deeper picks, is um, it's some of her ideas are just disgusting, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's like, what if I had a someone who pooped in the pool and smeared feces all over the apartment? <laughs> that would be a good crazy villain, right? Person who's That's a murderer, it. also. Like, okay, you, Glenn, Glenn um, you do not want to go in the cozy section. Just trust me on that. <laughs> oh, my. I don't know. Katie, you have thoughts about it, Sue. I don't want to. I, I actually, I, I never liked the books. Um, I, <laughs> That's also okay. You can be well, happy about that. I, I read them. Uh, I read them actually because we were, we were thinking of talking about them on on the podcast, and I think I got through about three of them, and I skipped around. I I think I started uh, with A and read E, and then I think I I, I also read Q. Um, oh no! <laughs> ooh, oh man! Uh, it, it's one of her books does have the, the my most favorite line that I have ever read, which was um, it smelled spicy. Like carnations, <laughs> which carnations come up for for Grafton in a couple of of the other books, and they're always spicy smelling. So I'm very curious as to like what's going on there. But the thing that I found frustrating, and I I, I realized as I was coming up with um, a list of of things to talk about for this particular show, the thing that took me out of it was both that it it never seemed like her main character really got to mature or, yeah. or change. Um, she was herself throughout it. She was maybe learning new things about herself or about her family. Um, she was having relationships, but she was essentially the same in, in the different books that I read. And granted, I did not read all of them. Um, but also that it was very... Um, and this is a problem with a lot of mysteries, but the, the gender stereotypes were really strong. Mm-hmm. So, so everybody could only be their gender. And it was hard to break out of that. And I, f- I tend to find that boring <laughs> because I've, I don't meet people uh, who are just you know, masculine or just feminine or, or um, masculine dudes that don't have feelings or, you know, um, uh, feminine women that, that aren't tough as nails. So reading characters like that will take me out of the story. And even when I am caught up in a story and really enjoying a, a series, it can take me out of it and and make it not as interesting for me. One of the, the series that I ended up dropping was uh, Jacqueline Winspear's Maisie Dobbs series. And it was for mm-hmm. similar re- reasons in that Maisie just, she was a, she was a girl and she was, um, she, she was being, she was being a girl and doing her job and oh gosh, darn golly. Uh, and for, you know, she's plucky, right? <laughs> she is she's plucky, but she's not, she's not going to do anything that a lady's not supposed to do. Um, and for, a number of books that was uh, something that was fine and I could I could look around and after a while it just it became boring to me and so I I was ready to, to move on to the next thing I do think I um, several of the things and maybe all of the series that I thought of when it came to you know things that I've given up um, you put your finger on it earlier where there's that things don't change at some point to me in a series if 
things just kind of hit the reset button, kind of like, you know, classic sitcoms. And, you know, every book has to start with them back at the same place. And there's really no change over, you know, five or ten books that gets really old. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and part of it is that span of time thing. Like, if these took place over 20 years, because, you know, a lot of letters in the alphabet. Right. <laughs> then, you know, then it's really disturbing that she never changes. But, you know, it's kind of cheating by shoving them all into this three to four year span of time where to her and to the characters in the books, that would be a little more plausible. But to us standing here seeing it stretched out over 20 some years, it's like, oh, oh, she's not changing. Well, she's not growing. And she rolls out Which of the, so you weird. know, she gets thrown out of the window at the end of one book and she's like lands on the ground at the beginning of the next. It's a little, you know, the pacing is hard when there's no <laughs> space for the character to kind of catch up when they right. go through trauma. Right. It's funny because I think it's, I think the novels are, um, the, I liked A is for Alibi. It felt, it felt kind of fresh and hard bitten. I was like, and I guess that's it. Yeah. I want to see where this goes. Uh, and it was, um, the pacing was good and it had some, some, I would say unique elements like, oh, this is really fascinating. Like, oh, that's really hard and that's, you know, emotionally tough and that's, okay, that's good. All right, where does this go? And it's like, no, every novel wound up being kind of the same format and pacing and, and intensity. And I think if, um, some people like a kind of thing, like they take it to the beach or, it's a way to unhook their brain. I unfortunately do not use reading to unhook my brain. I use TV and other things <laughs> for that. And so I think there's a comfort in in that um, inconsistency. And that's that's not obviously what all we're all looking for. And it's it's funny, like you know, talking about authors who take over for other authors, like the Spencer novels. I never fell away from them, even though a lot of them in the later years were kind of a slog. You know, the plots were just stock things and there was lots of white space on the pages but Spencer and Hawk and Susan were still entertaining and then Robert Parker passed away and Ace Atkins took over and I thought alright I'll try the first one because let's see let's see if he can catch it and here was a densely plotted uh, novel with a lot of words and the characters sounded right and they sounded and, and acted like they did uh, in the best of the Parker books and the book itself had the density and complexity of the early books before there was a Spencer for Hire TV series and honestly all the books that Ace Atkins has done since taking over have been some of the better Spencer novels go so figure he, that, those are Spencer for Hire for Hire is what you're saying yeah <laughs> right, quite literally I was just like, um, wait a minute but you know it's like that uh, that kind of consistency uh, was okay because you weren't always there for the plots, right? You were there for the interactions yeah. with the characters, mm-hmm. and or it's the writing, nice that the plots are back. The writing has to snap too. Like Rex yes. Stout, Rex Stout yes. wrote, a, I forget what forty Mirror Wolf novels, something oh, in that something range, like that. Was it more even? And uh, and until the very end, they are just like you know, a like Harlan Ellison. He just he just sat down and wrote them all out of his brain, more or less, with almost no correction or revision. <laughs> not not quite Harlan Ellison like, but close. So the, you know, it's brilliant. But b they're just you know, the dialogue is just like bam, 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 boop, 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 and he ages the characters. They don't get older that much, but time passes like forty years, right. and right. so there's always and he brings in all these great like ancillary characters and it's a TV show right I mean Nero Wolf oh, totally is a TV is. show so they but but if the writing hadn't been good you know it would just be like I've read five of these and the guy's always in his town you know is, is <laughs> working on his orchids and whatever alright whatever the hell it's just this boring guy who goes out and does work for him 
that's it. So I think if the if Sue Grafton, I think she's. I mean, this is so offensive. To, like this is so patronizing to say about a successful like multi probably ten millionaire, hundred millionaire from her work. Um, she's very competent at what she does, and she does something that I think started out stronger than maybe it became because it fits a pattern. And some you know, there's that whole thing. Some people have one novel in them, and they write it twenty times if they're if they're yeah. lucky. Uh, so I don't I don't turn to like anybody who can sell her books. That's great. It's like the eighty seventh precinct novels by Ed mm-hmm. McBain. You know, there's something like fifty of them, and they evolve over the years. The characters gently age, but he he. There are distinct eras where it's like, all right, these are the eighty seventh precinct novels of the fifties and sixties, and here are the ones in the seventies, and here are the ones in the eighties and nineties. So there are sort of distinct periods, and and his writing style shifts to fit more of the period. But every one of them is is pretty damn good. And, you know, he he was writing up until he passed away. His last one was posthumous, as I recall. And it's just as good as the first. And, you know, again, it's the same kind of thing where it's the writing and it's the, the ancillary characters. But the main characters are still interesting, too. Yeah. Speaking of, um, you know, you talk about how characters advance or characters move on. Um, that's actually... Sometimes I feel like the character, the characters get too too good. You know, it's kind of like when you, your D and D character builds its stats over the years, and suddenly yes. the DM has no idea what to do. Um, that's what happened with me with oh, Anne Perry. Uh, ah. Anne Perry, a very popular author, has written uh, two or three history uh, historical series. Uh, one of William Monk uh, and the other one that I um, that I got into for a very long time and then wound up dropping uh, the Charlotte and Thomas Pitt series uh, which was set in the Victorian Uh, era starts out with uh, Inspector Thomas Pitt who runs into uh, Society Bell Charlotte Ellison on a case and they wind up getting married and half of the interesting things that happen in the stories are because she can cross into social circles that he can't and help solve uh, the mysteries uh, as they go along. Uh, they they get married. They wind up having two kids. The kids age. They age. He gets promoted into superintendent. Um, and, you know, all well and good. Um, there's ancillary characters that are also getting more interesting. Charlotte's sister uh, marries uh, into uh, the aristocracy. That guy winds up getting killed at one point. Uh, wasn't her after all. And she gets married a second time. And uh, this time she marries below her. And he winds up, you know, developing a career as well. So there's all sorts of interesting things going on. And then somewhere around book 20, for whatever reason, Perry decided that uh, Pitt's career wasn't rewarding enough. Um, he'd been, you know, promoted to superintendent. He'd turned down becoming the chief superintendent of his precinct because he wanted to still be out solving cases. And so she takes him into this left turn into something called the special branch. And in like in the last 10, 12 books, he's been getting into, you know, solving international cases for royalty and and things like that, as far as I can tell from reading the jackets. And it's just like, no, I I want to see him solving, you know, the, the, the crimes among the families, you know, the things, you know, it's 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 borderline cozy mystery. It's not not really. There's enough blood and gore that takes it out of that category. But, you know, I was reading for um the victorian interactions and they've sort of turned into spy thrillers 
Mm-hmm. It sounds kind of focus groupy, like you know, she's like, I don't really don't know what you know, know what to do next. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, publisher, what do you think? Oh, well, if you went, well, we have this whole untapped audience we could market it as. We got to raise the stakes Possibly. every time. We got to raise the stakes. She, right. she might also have just gotten bored doing yeah. the one thing and thought, here's something else I could do with him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I think it's it's got to be hard, right? Like when you have 20 yeah. or 30 or 40 books that you've written with these characters and you know that you no longer own them in the way that you did when you were first writing. You, you, mm-hmm. you have shared ownership with your audience. And so the decisions that you make become that more that much more weighty um, because you know people are going to have very strong opinions about what you have done to their characters and sometimes that pressure I imagine um, results in making maybe not the best decision or trying something out and then realizing oh no that wasn't what I wanted to do and and trying to correct but having still you know potentially lost audience or um, uh, upset people with how you've taken care of the problem yeah like i said it just got to a point where you know these weren't the characters that i liked so much anymore mm-hmm. uh so it they sort of drifted away from them um and like you said i think perry may have been trying to get make things more interesting uh she had always tried to weave in historical um events here and there in her stories and by moving pit into the you know politics and royalty and dealing with all of this that allowed her to like I, I think what turned to the corner for me and turned me away was uh the one called the Whitechapel conspiracy which of course you know dabbled you know not it wasn't the focus Jack the Ripper wasn't the focus but sort of its fallout mm-hmm. and what happened afterwards was part of the focus uh and the backdrop of that particular story and since then it feels like they've that she's been going out of her way to find uh, historical events to make as the backdrops. Um, But as you said, you can run out of ideas. And I think if I understand correctly, as I was uh, looking things up for the podcast, um, she's about to release the 32nd book. And it, uh, the publishers are saying that this is going to be the last one of the Thomas Pitt series, but that she is starting something where one of his kids is apparently has been allowed to grow up and is going to wind up going into policing just like his dad, but in the World War One era. So I may check yeah. that out. Okay, I may see what's I may it's, see what's going on there. Why well, don't I, I, somebody have next topic? I have a bunch on my list, so I don't want to again. I don't want to take over here, but I got a bunch of a bunch. So, but he's got somebody. Else I will. That I will. I'll offer up my one. the fir- the right. one that came to mind when this topic was first discussed. And in, I don't remember if I proposed the topic or not, but it was this was definitely the book series that embodies this phenomenon to me, which is the Harry Bosch series by Michael Connelly. Oh, oh yes, which, I've never read those. Which were ones that I know I'm, I, I was looking. I was trying to, you know, before the before the recording, I was looking back and trying to go, when did I drop that series exactly? Because what that was a series that I picked up. After it had been going on, probably somewhere, you know, there'd probably been at least five or six books. I think I'd read one of Connolly's unrelated books originally and was like, oh, that was pretty good. I should check out something else. And, you know, and I, and then so then went back and read The Black Echo and that was really good. And The Black Ice, which is number two, and, and kept going through. And I'm still not positive, but I think I dropped it somewhere about the 12th book or the 11th book. And that was one where... 
literally that kind of, many kind of as we were as we were mentioning i mean well and and it was one of those where you know i plowed through like the first however many that had been written i plowed through in you know a couple of months as i tend to do when i come you know find a series that i really like and kind of get it get in on but then he was a classic example to me of a character that they well Connolly just could not I mean he's basically stuck he's the same guy with the same problems the same attitudes and you know he sort of learns lessons but not really uh over and over again and I was just like okay fine he's like he's this dude who was in Vietnam so even in the you know by 2000 he's getting older um but I think there's a I think I, I as I remember and then looking on the list there's even more as I remember there were at least like three younger women professional women who he ends up sleeping with and you know having relationships with that of course Ooh. never work out because they're you know their personalities are so different but it was just one of those I I can't take this hard bitten you know he's you know damaged but he cares too much sort of you know he's going to retire and become a private investigator but then he's going to unretire because he you know he can't handle leaving things go and it was just too and too yeah too much apparently, too circular apparently he's re-retired and become a private investigator I've, again i'm in noticing that ones. on the wikipedia page lapd yeah. retired slash reserve officer san fernando pd I call that genre sad men being sad. Exactly that. There, and it, there's you know, a lot of market for that. Because that's yeah. all you get out of it. Like, it's just, oh, I'm uh, down on my luck, and <laughs> this went wrong, and that wife left me, and now I'm a drunk, and I can't seem to ever get anything to go my way because... I make the same mistakes every single time. Right. Um, but I'm, it, it turns out I'm brilliant at solving mysteries. Um, <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's I just, so I couldn't. Damaged, but so it's good. The, uh, it's House MD, but just. Uh, uh-huh. Kind of, yeah. Damage. I mean, way, way back, I think it was just after the second one had come out, uh, my wife picked the first two up at a bookstore just on, on a whim because they looked interesting to her. And I don't know if she ever actually read both of them. Uh, I tried them because, you know, it's like, well, that's logical. I, I like the 87th Precinct. I like Homicide. I like, you know, cops and smart mysteries. And I I couldn't get through either one of them. <laughs> and, I, and I went, okay, maybe this is not for me. And I, I think it might just have been the character. Yeah, they don't right? really, as I recall. And again, I really haven't picked one up in at least 10 years. As I recall... They don't, I mean, they don't get appreciably worse, but they don't really get better either. That's part of that whole stasis. It's, you know, the character he is in the first book is the same character he is 20 books later, just older and with the same exact problems and tropes. Um, You know, like there there, there are characters like uh, Lisa Scottolini's books where they're all legal thrillers. Uh, some of them are standalones, but she's she's sort of brought a number of her female lawyer characters together under one law firm, and then she's kind of doing it like the 87th Precinct, where this book will be about this lawyer and this book will be about that lawyer. So it gets she gets a little more variety in there. But one of the things I like is that the characters do evolve and do yeah. change and do learn from what they've done. Um, and I wish more. And and it you know it doesn't appreciably go oh well this isn't really a series because they evolve right <laughs> it, you, you still get that sense that this is a series of books that all fit together, um, 
but it's just it's more interesting yeah it's interesting to me and i i I can't i i can't pinpoint exactly why but around the same time that i picked up the harry bosch books i started reading the um lee child's jack reacher books and those I'm still on. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't even know what they're up to. I think it's over twenty at this point, or it's close to twenty. And those, it's, it's close to yeah. yeah. And and I have you know I I'm you know I long ago read you know all of the ones that I'd caught up with, and now just read them every year when they come out. I get them from the library when they come up on the list. And I keep I keep anticipating the day that I'm tired of that because Reacher doesn't really change. <laughs> Reacher, you know, like it's it's they're they're not they they are a. So, but but he does just enough to to vary things and you know kind of change the scenery around and take this character who's the same and it, and he's not he's a flawed and you know damaged character who also is you know the best guy there is at what he does but he doesn't quite wallow in it in the same way that uh, that, well, yeah, that the Harry Bosch novels were he's not a sad guy yeah. he's just like this is who I am take it or leave it. And I can do this, and you need me to do this, so I will do this. Right. That right? series, more I, than, I just, yeah, almost any reminds me of like classic, uh, the fugitive style TV show where it's, you know, the stranger right. that comes to town every episode and solves mm-hmm. a bunch of problems for people. And, well, and he's, he has said point blank that the Travis McGee series was sort of an inspiration for him. Um, and, and I, you know, the more I read of them, the more I see it. Uh, one of the things that's really interesting about these books is that he switches between first person and third person. You yes. don't always know mm-hmm. which one you're going to get when you pick up the book. And I just, I had, I had sort of like, I binged a whole bunch of them a while ago. And then the last couple I've saved up. So I just binged through about three of them in the last month. And, uh, you know, they're, they're pulpy. They're, you know, not necessarily super realistic, but they're just crackling. Oh, yeah. We'll, um, we'll do, we should do some recommendations at the end, I think. Yeah. Because I think be, we'll do some more positives. But, um, Katie, do you, Katie, do you have any books that you were, uh, what would you bring? Oh, besides, uh, Sue, besides Sue Grafton. On the, <laughs> I am here to Sue, Sue Grafton, Grafton again. Um, <laughs> I was, I, I, was actually, back up and drop. I was actually going to say in relation, I do have a couple books, but in relation to the, the comments about how sometimes the character doesn't change, but you're still really interested in the book is, you know, there are lots of things within a story to play with, right? There, there are the relationships, there's the plot, there is um, maybe the situations in which the, the, the characters are placed that, be, that is interesting enough. You forgive um this this downfall or that one and there are a number of tv shows where yes i use them to turn off my brain but where i know i should stop watching them mm. because mm-hmm. you know a good portion of, of what i came for originally is gone for whatever reason but i i don't because it's entertaining enough and it's um consistent enough like the 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 essential qualities that I appreciated about it are still there. Um, like I watched all of castle. I shouldn't have, uh, (laughs) the last couple of seasons I I could have, I could have learned to trade. Um, (laughs) (laughs) bones, bones was another one that I watched. You could be doing scrimshaw right now. (laughs) Bones was another one that I watched, uh, all the way through and that, that was not necessary, but it was, um, it, it it was that you're being compelled through the stories, right? Because there's enough there for you to still see, sink your teeth into. Um, 
but on the book front, a couple of the ones that I wrote down, I uh, could not get through Stieg Larsson's first book, oh, and so I never read the other ones. Let's, I want to yeah. talk about that first book a little, so go ahead, though. And Wo Dang. Uh, there is just so much happening there. Like part of it was the, um, you know, the, the author as the main character or the author as he wishes to be as the main character. Uh, and the, the other part was just like the sheer amount of violence against women. Like, I, I like serial killer, uh, stories. I, it's, it's something my wife thinks is very disturbing, but I will I will binge watch uh, a, a serial killer shows, binge read serial killer series, um, but violence against women that is just so base is something that will turn me off of uh, a book really quickly. And and I don't want to I don't want to come off as like the the political correctness junkie because I'm not. But that was one that just. It didn't seem necessary for any part of the story. No, the, the thing that's most aggravating about it is that it's portrayed as, oh, he was so deeply care. You know, the book was supposed to be called like "Men Are Violent Against Women." What was the original title? I don't know. It was something like that. Things I wrote in my diary one summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, but it's it's you know it's it's it was sort of marketed as this guy who. Um, cared so much against about that he wanted to sort of condemn the notion of violence against women right Right. he was a feminist and was wanting to to highlight yeah and um, yet it is such a pornographic presentation of some of the ugliest depictions of violence against women i'm like you cannot write a book that is so um sort of beautifully <laughs> detailed about <laughs> those things and just because there's vengeance and a consequence of sorts at times not always that mm. excuses it. So yeah, I never read the other two. I found it so, um, yeah, so noxious. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't understand why mm-hmm. it was so loved. I don't know. Was about? I also couldn't finish um, the girl on the train, and that uh, one was oh, yeah. because I couldn't. I was I couldn't keep reading about this main character totally ruining herself, like. I'm on board for the character who is um, going down a deep, dark well. Um, but that one just seemed so intense. And and to me felt gratuitous that I was like, you know what? I'm going to... I'm gonna tap out and let somebody else finish this book because it is it is not for me. I also think with that one, it was competent but not skillful. So that kind of wallow really needs somebody who can use it well and like you said i think that was just more or less a she's just depressing and ruining her own life and eventually you're just like really please stop <laughs> i get it this, I'll, I'll bring she's in a, drunk. A, somebody yeah. else here too this is this is, all, this is somewhat different but um lawrence block was uh, one of my picks i haven't read all of his series i've read a few of the math but he is like i mean oh my god does this guy have so oh, he's series. prolific like crazy. Yeah, yeah. so many different names. You know, if it's, I, I don't want to say he has ghostwriters, but it seems infeasible that he's written this much, and yet I'm sure he has. Oh, but see, he grew up in the pulps. Oh, yeah. When so you had to write like in bulk, so well, yeah, it's it's totally him. His Matthew Scudder series, <laughs> and I read some of his. I don't know some other stories of his. I eventually hit that point, and it was like with the the Stieg Larsson book, where I'm just like, oh my god, he's reveling so much in the pornographic 
detail of extreme violence as even though the books ostensibly condemn it but then you know the key point to me spoilers folks for those who are going to read like i don't know 10 books in the matthew scudder series i mean because they were they're interesting and gritty and difficult and the character did evolve it was like an alcoholic police officer who then starts to go to aa and there is some revel you know it's like this is actually interesting but it's also and that's only kind of thing that i've ever read that's that gritty i guess um and there's a bit where he's you know befriended this guy who's a murdering mob boss basically and they're basically buddies and, it, and the guy is you know the mob boss is um it's a small mob, but he, uh, he <laughs> 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 more like a mob mob chieftain. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's a, like a, a mobette, like a guy a who's mobette. got a gang. He's actually a small gang, but the guy's you know because it comes from a background of butchers. It's and so he wears it's a cozy nostra apron. Yeah, he runs with there this lever apron when he kills people with. Not, I mean, it's this whole it's like a shtick. And anyway, there's a bit where um, the you know the retire they they encounter uh, these couple this couple that's so brutal and there's something recorded on a videotape and they want like oh it's just disgusting detail but he winds up being so, so complicit to murder i'm like you know there's a point at which uh i don't need to enforce my morality in things i read i want to read about things that help inform my morality so maybe that's i don't know if that's too much I'm like i guess that's what i mean um but I hit a point where I'm like, oh, these books are like almost contrary to my morality. Like whatever, however broadly encompassing and accepting I am, there's something even in this fictional world where I'm like, no. And and I had that same feeling with the Steve Darson book where it's like, no, no, I'm just not going to, I don't want to <laughs> accept even things written this way because I think it's almost like right. putting something bad into the universe, much less my head that it's being approached in this fashion. I read all of the Matthew Scudder's and that is a series where I feel like, I mean, I sort of enjoyed them up to the end, but they definitely, there were a couple of points where he could have ended that series and it would have been fine. How many books went past the point with the sadistic couple that they killed? The sad thing is like, I don't even remember. <laughs> oh my God, that's okay. Wow. Without looking at a list of the novels. Yes. Cause I don't I'm, even know. Yeah, Block is dead now, right? Like, there's not going to be another. No, I don't think oh, so. Oh, is he? Okay, no, okay. he's uh, 79. But I, he's, okay. he's doing other other things. He's got right. stuff that have been really. Yeah, he's got 43 other series he's working on. Yeah. Oh, so well, and it's funny, you know. I I first tried the Matt Scudder novels because of the Burglar novels, which are yep. they would totally fit in that cozy section, right? The burglar who accidentally stumbles into a murder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a in a mansion, right? And they're just delightful and light and fun. And then you go and pick this up and go, oh, oh, no, no, don't put that in my brain. And, but I, but put down I think the pliers. that's exactly it. Put down the pliers, please. You know, it's like it's one thing when you're when you're just sort of letting it be white noise uh, or watching something where they've done all the work of envisioning it for you and you can just turn it off. Whereas this, you're putting it into your brain. You are reading it through these eyes and you are imagining all of this and and there are some things you just don't need to do that with i i don't need to put those stories in my brain uh, i don't need these examples to see that oh this is bad behavior no i don't i don't need to learn that <laughs> lesson i already got that thanks no no what if we showed um, you in excruciating detail why this is bad behavior would that help right i think that would help right <laughs> uh shannon uh if you have uh, i know you already had a, had a pick out there do you have other mm -hmm. uh, other things on your list you'd like to discuss too 
Um, sure, I will uh, throw out Martha Grimes. Yes! She's on my <laughs> list. Throw her out, literally, it sounds like. Sniped! <laughs> yes, sorry. Um, yes, uh, I started Martha Grimes. A friend of mine uh, apparently went into a bookstore for my Christmas gift one year and basically said, what's a hot mystery? And uh, the bookseller handed <laughs> oh, wow. her the Five Bells and Blade Bone which was the ninth oh, wow. of her um, series featuring Richard Jury and um, Melrose Plant. Uh, and I read it, and I liked it very much, so I went back and started reading the earlier ones and uh, got very into them. They were this weird blend of the, the cozy mystery idea with all of these intriguing, interesting, vibrant characters, some of them over-the-top caricature, caricature um, and then, uh, but the murders themselves were, you know, generally well plotted and intricate uh, and could be gruesome. Um, but it, it shocked me. I think I learned after like the fourth or fifth book that the, these books were so very British. That was one of the things that I adored about them was the tone was just how British they were. She grew up in Maryland. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. know how she pulled yeah. this off. It's it's a terrific um, mimic- mimicry. It is. Um, but in reading them from the beginning i think it was uh the i think it was the deer leap had uh something that happened at the end that i really didn't like uh and then the next couple of books um seemed to be all about you know she had this big shtick about richard jury being just sort of this probably depressed depressed character you know he was always melancholy and always you know never like super happy about anything and then she just sort of spent a few books before uh bladebone um with him having a string of sort of failed romances so it's like not only is he sort of generally unhappy and miserable about his job and you know the only bright thing is his friendship with melrose plant who's like the the happier one of the group and you know that that started getting old and then a few books later, she takes a left turn, and all of a sudden they're in America. And I'm like, "What? <laughs> that? Yeah, how do you compute that?" <laughs> and that's when I just throw, threw up my hands and said, "Okay, I'm done." So anyone, feel free to like, you know, tweet me at Star Fury Ten and tell me if they got back to England and they sort of like, you know, sort of got back on track, <laughs> and maybe I'll pick them up again. <laughs> I I wouldn't know because I didn't even get to the Five Bells and Bladebone. But okay. I I started with the third one, which was the Anodyne Necklace. Yes. Which which I picked up. On the recommendation of, uh, I think it was Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine, because I used to mm-hmm. subscribe to that. Yeah, and, and that one wound up winning an award, uh, like the Edgar. Right. That was, yeah, I think that was the Edgar. And it's, you know, it's good. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And and then I read the first two, and then I read the next couple after that. And after a while, I said, this is the same thing, and it's very oddly structured, and I don't quite by the relationship and it's it was just sort of like why does this scotland yard inspector keep bringing in this aristocratic guy and i mean i love amateur detectives so if i'm sitting there going why is why is he letting the amateur detective do stuff that's weird and and (laughs) that's kind of not good so i just said you know life is too short i can Mm. read other things i i thought we might do um uh, this me more quickly because I think we're nearing an hour, and I think that's probably good length. This and uh, I thought we might do a um, uh, a little bit of a things we're still reading, but we're getting a little worried about. If anybody <laughs> has this, because I've got one of those, I'll start because I have one that's a good example. No one else has to have them. It's okay. This might be me. Is um, Lori King, uh, who writes a couple different series, and uh, 
I uh, I quite like her. Um, I've talked about it a few other times on the show, I think, too. Her Mary Russell, Mrs. Sherlock Holmes uh, kind of uh, series. And it's um, I think it's very charming. The first one, The Beekeeper's Apprentice, is very charming. And it you know goes on and off uh, the rails a little bit. But it's really she just has a great knack for that character in particular and writing Sherlock Holmes believably. So those two characters, I think, carry the book sometimes more than the plots or even other characters. And it's enjoyable. But I got, you know, 12 novels in or something and I'm like, wait, this is kind of huh. And so I was like, oh yeah, we have a cliffhanger at the end of, I think it's The God of the Hive. And I just never picked up the next book. And it's not that I was like, I've stopped. Like, I'm, oh no, this was terrible. It's more like just didn't have the same motivation. I was kind of buying each book as it came out or go to the library and then I stopped. So I actually do want to read. There's like looking at her list here. I think there's seven more after that one. Like she really keeps wow. coming out or six more and some novellas. So I don't know. Do you have anything where you're where you're on the dubious pile? Because there's that moment where you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to keep devoting my my dollars, my brain space. <laughs> I don't have a dubious. Um, I have a regretful. Um, oh. There is a no. Well, what this what happened is there was a author called Kate Ross who started a series, um, the Julian Kestrel books. It's an amateur detective, uh, you know, Victorian dandy who starts solving crimes. And unfortunately, she only got to write four of them before she died of breast oh, cancer. Oh. And that's like, you know, I, I would read more of, you know, if she was still around and producing, I would. It was just getting good. She just started making Kestrel that much more interesting and complex in the fourth book. And now there's no more. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I've almost got the opposite of that, which is Dick Francis. Who wrote, oh yes, he's on my list. Right. Who? Well, <laughs> it's, weird. it's it's. I mean, we could talk a lot about Dick Francis. I mean, it's interesting also because only after his wife died, he's like, well, she actually kind of. We all kind of we put wrote these together, but her name isn't on them. It's like, well, that's nice. Um, okay. I mean, I don't think it was disrespectful. And that was her decision, especially when he started writing and so forth. And he wrote uh, a bazillion books. Right. Four. It says forty. Here. Forty. Yeah. 43. But the thing that drove me nuts about reading Dick Francis is like he would develop these or they would develop uh, these incredibly rich characterizations. They'd be like, great, I want to read more with this character. And that was it. And I think there was mm-hmm. one case there was a second novel with the same person. Yeah, Kit Fielding. He wrote, um, yeah, he wrote two books with the Kit Fielding character and he and he wrote wound, wound up writing five books about Sid Halley. So he did go back oh, to that yeah. one I remember character. Sid, I love that character. Right. But you're like, you know, and it's, it's isn't that funny when you're like at one point I'm like, don't, you know, hey, well, you know, writers should evolve and they should, you know, characters should evolve and whatever. I'm like, no, would you please write more about the same character instead of all this <laughs> richly characterized different things? But but they started to get, the thing is at some point I was like, I just had to give up. I can't, don't, I think I read a lot of these books, but at some point I was like, all right, this is just too much of the same kind of, you know, we're going through the same motions again and all right. Yeah. With Francis, with me, I, I picked him up in the 80s. And, you know, went back and read earlier stuff and then started buying the book every year it came out. Um, But what happened with me was uh, there was a spate of those books in the 90s where the the books always were supposed to feature horse racing because that's he was a jockey before he turned before he retired and became a writer. And he could write with such wonderful detail and really neat insight about the world of horse racing. Um, 
And, you know, sometimes the character, the main character would be sort of peripherally connected to horse racing, but there would still be a connection. And then in the 90s, he wrote like four or five books in a row where the connection to the horse racing world got really tenuous. (laughs) And it's like, you know, you had to like work to find, you know, where the connection was to the original farmer. An oats farmer. How is yachting related to horses on boats. Yeah. The, horses? the architect, the the film the director, you yeah, know, the, the, all of these things. But the, oddly enough, though, a few of those books are my favorites because of the really great characterization or a really good plot. But still, you know, that wasn't why I was reading him. I, I liked what he was doing to show me more about this world that I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of where I sort of trailed off uh, with him. Uh, and stopped reading in the late 90s. I, I wonder if to close out, so I, I posed that more difficult one about things that we're on the fence about, and then we got to Dick Francis, which is which is great, because Dick <laughs> Francis, I mean, terrific writing, though, that is the thing. It's like, I don't regret having, yeah. I don't regret having read any of them either, but um, I, I have kind of one category that I think people might want to just chime in. We don't have to talk at length about any of them, but just chime in on it's the It's the exotic genre thing of the 1980s, sometimes 1970s. So, for example... <laughs> <laughs> the the Rabbi Small novels. Like I read a bunch of those. I didn't realize how many there were. Now I'm looking at the list. There was it started with Friday the Rabbi slept late, and then there are twelve of them. So we get past the days of the week. So uh, it was two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. Well, it's one. Yeah, two weeks is right. Next four, Monday. Four, fortnightly, the Rabbi <laughs> uh, counted twice on Sundays. Um, and so there's the, the yeah the Harry Kemmelman series of the Rabbi books and Tony Hillerman where I read those, but the, it's that same kind of thing. It's like somewhat exoticized, uh, sep- you know, culture kind of thing where there's something about the culture that helps them solve the mysteries. And um, so any hmm. embarrassing entries from those that you recall that you uh, that you and you don't have to regret having read them at all. But I'm just curious. Anybody else? Don't don't be knocking Tony Hillerman. Don't <laughs> be because see. One of the things is that he was a uh, reporter for the newspaper in Albuquerque uh, when he started writing mysteries. And so a lot of this was informed by traveling through Indian country and meeting police officers like oh, this. Yeah. So this is to- this is not just someone going in saying, hey, I'm going to write an exoticized setting and do all this. Now, once once he teamed up his two series characters and then it became a, a dual, a double act... Uh, some of those got a li- again. It had the New York Times bestseller problem, yeah. where they started to get a little, you know, bloated in terms of pages, but not so much words. Uh, but then they got really good again. He sort of figured out the good balance between the two characters, uh, and then you know, and then he got older and older, and it became more and more. You know, well, we got to turn one out this year. And just before he passed away, he added a third character, a, a young woman who fell in love with Jim Chi, and they eventually marry, but then he passed away. Oh. And what's what's interesting is, again, going back to authors taking over, his daughter, who is a decent writer, has taken over, and she's writing them more from the point of view of the young woman now, and because mm-hmm. she's also a police officer. And they're really good again. Oh, oh, that's interesting. That's a, that's so, a nice positive thing. And uh, and I mean, by this point, Joe Leeporn is you know 150 years I was old, say, but he's still in the 1960s or something. Yeah. Uh, does anybody else have uh, any in the, in that series? And um, that not series, sorry, in that kind of uh, vein. Um, 
Well, when you said gimmick, of course, my mind went to uh, Lillian Jackson Brown and the Cat Who books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> yes, which may, may be the, 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 the birth of the cozy mystery, for all I know. Um, but, yeah, that she, she and or her ghostwriters, I think she passed away in 2011, but there were still several books that came out after that. Um, but around 30 books in this series um, where, you know, on the one hand, you know, the character changes his circumstances change as a result you know he changes a bit he gets older he matures um things like that but then it began to get to a point where the plots and the ancillary characters were that were brought in to be murdered and such started getting more and more shallow (laughs) um and then somewhere around book 24 for absolutely no reason she killed off a recurring character and and not plot related not not anything related just you know oh i'm just gonna have her have a car accident and go by and like why why did you have to do that that, that character asked and, for more money that was the problem for uh, to appear in she was a rich character she didn't need the money um, but, but yeah i just i got to the point where just um you know and again by that time she she was uh she was fairly old. I think she was close to 100 when she died. So I don't oh, know how wow. much input she was putting into these books by that point. Make, um, make or sure a there's a cat. <laughs> yeah. There's got to be a cat. <laughs> Maybe two. Two cats yeah. are good. Anyway. And I guess that was the other thing. It was getting to the point where it's like, you know, they, these cats have been living an awfully long time. <laughs> she had, like, you know, sort of, she had years and years, like, you know, a, a, over oh. a decade going by with these. Th- um, and these cats were full-grown adults when when the de- when the amateur detective meets them. Um, but ah, yeah, that funny. that was one that um, oh felt like you know sort of just going on too long. The the other gimmick you know mentioning gimmick books uh, when I was still living in New Jersey, uh, Janet Ivanovich published one for the money. Oh mm. man. I was going to mention the Stephanie Plum novels about <laughs> bounty hunter Stephanie Plum, and you know, and I'm like, okay, I'll I'll give this a shot because this is set, you know, 15 miles from my house, right? And so she's getting all the details, like the little local descriptions of things are spot on. I'm like, all right. Uh, turns out she doesn't live in New Jersey, and I don't I don't know why she chose to do it there, but whatever. Uh, as long as she was describing it right. And and that first one is entertaining. And then the second one is almost exactly the same book. Yeah. And the 22nd one is almost exactly the same book. And it's like, you know, she's always getting uh, flirting with her cop, uh, sort of not quite boyfriend who she knew back in school. And then she's flirting with the the super sexy single named uh, bounty hunter who's training her Ranger. and she just goes back and forth between the two of them from book to book and then I re- then I realized oh she started out as a romance novelist oh suddenly this series makes sense to me and I gave up after six I'm just like no <laughs> yeah. I can't I, that's about how far again. I lasted yeah I enjoy, but the I, first one is was fun as I recall I picked them up because it was like oh it would be fun to do one that's got kind of a romance angle in the you know ideally in the tradition of uh i'm blanking on the dashiell hammett uh the thin man the thin man yes but uh of course this is no thin man by any stretch of the imagination god no no (laughs) gentlemen you're no thin men yes (laughs) um well i think that brings us to the end of the uh program unless anyone else has other 
things they want to. Oh, oh, I have so many. All right, wait. It's, it's <laughs> I, I've got, I've got, just, have to, just have to read them off. There we go. Quick. Well, I've got two. I've got two. James Lee Burke and the Dave Robichaux novels, which again, read one, it's beautiful. Read three, you go, didn't you learn not to get beaten up for doing that exact same thing in five other books? Stop it. Stop it. Um, and Jonathan Kellerman, whose first novel oh, won yeah. the Edgar, which is, it's a terrific novel. The second novel, very good. The third one, pretty good. And then, uh, you know, by, by, I think it's the seventh novel, uh, they're starting to get a little silly. Uh, we, I mean, interesting, you know, his, his hero is a child psychologist, uh, fascinating medical stuff, fascinating, you know, psychological things in there. But there's one novel where I swear he gets something like 450 pages in and then his hero is kidnapped driven out to the desert to this geodesic dome that is built by <laughs> a, a Howard Hughes billionaire recluse type who then sits him down and explains the plot to him and that's the end of the book and oh, I'm like great. no that's, no that's I don't think so David this is not how lightning round is played I know. I know. But that that book has pissed me off for twenty seven years. <laughs> uh, talk about if if there were one book that I had thrown across a room that that like personified this episode, that's the book. All right, James had James Partner. had what's it called? Wait, say that again. I think it's called Silent Partner. Rodeo Baby, got it. James, you had a. Uh, one left to go to, I think, right? Um, yeah, one. I mean, there were. I was going to mention, uh, and I will. I can save it for after the lightning round. But I, I was going to mention <laughs> that there are a couple of authors where I am impressed that they seem to tap out at about the right time oh, in terms great. of their oh, series yeah. characters. Hmm. No, I think, but I think it's that. the one I will name check as another one that I, it, I've come and gone with both books and movies is the James Bond series. Where yes, at, you know, yeah. I think there are still a few of the classic movies that I have not watched because I was just like, yeah, I've, I'm done. But saw on Her Majesty's Secret Service for the first time within the last year, um, and I know there's. I think I'm still missing one of the Dalton ones, and maybe a Brosnan. Anyway, but, but kind of the same same problem of that they just don't change the character enough. They're well, sort of trapped in that, the, but. This episode became subversive by, I should have actually called it uh, exactly when to stop reading certain series that are good. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we've actually read an enormous number, I think probably like several hundred novels that readers could, or listeners could read. Uh, just just be careful. You know the uh, the cutoff point. I may try to put that in the show notes. We'll see how, how detailed that gets. Like, stop reading around number five, number 12. The first one's okay. Um, when you're having a good time, quit. Exactly. That's it. Um, well, thank you, everyone, for, for joining me and having this was, uh, you know, I was worried we might get too negative, And I feel like this is a very, <laughs> no, I think this is a very positive discussion about all the stuff we liked about all these series. So it was great to, I have a ton of new recommendations from people. And I might go back and read some of the Hillerman in that right period. So, uh, so oh, thanks. yeah, you should. I, you thanks, should. everyone. So thanks, everyone, for being here. Uh, Shannon, thank you for joining me. Katie, James, and David, all of you, thank you very much for being here. And, uh, folks, another episode of A Foot in the Can. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I should put that that way. <laughs> do, you, do you have a foot, a in, the foot in the can? Well, let him out! I'm going to put a foot in your can. Uh, and, uh, you know, as you, as always, you can find a, a lot of fine shows at theincomparable.com, including uh, some of us on this episode are uh, often on things like Game Show. 
as well as the flagship show. And you can help uh, support the network in general by going to theincomparable.com and becoming a member. One of the key member perks is being part of the, uh, the Zeppelin, the first class uh, Zeppelin Slack team where you get a join and uh, there's uh, hundreds of members and we have some fun conversations there it's also where uh, folks who are part of the network the incomparable network panelists uh, are, are part of this we're not like often some other uh, exclusive vip cabin we're uh, we're part of that too um and i think it's been a great place to uh, to meet people who are regular listeners and many of whom have now started their own podcast or had their own podcasts and it's really kind of Kind of cool what's going on. But you also get member perks. There's t-shirts and, and decals and other kinds of things, plus the bootleg feeds. So you get episodes, um, many episodes as they're recorded. The, uh, the recording stops and boom, an unedited episode appears, which can sometimes be uh, very, very funny, especially for the game show. So. And- and many of us are in there being silly too. Being silly, I wouldn't wouldn't know anything about that, David Rodeo baby. Uh, so <laughs> the incomparable dot is where you can find that. And thanks again for listening to the foot. We'll be back with we've got a couple more episodes coming up uh, before we take a little bit longer break. So thanks for listening. <laughs>